Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Leftology Podcast. Uh, we're finally back after five weeks. Uh, our master, George Soros, gave us a little bit of a break. He said that we were being too effective. So uh, we enjoyed our month off. Um, sorry for tricking you into believing we were going to make content for every other week. Um, but here we are back. Uh, we're getting our uh, six-figure salary back again. Um, and today, we wanted to talk about debate culture because... We don't keep up with current affairs that often because they're boring <laughs> at this point. Very boring. Yeah. Who keeps up with current affairs, man? Um, all I read, all I do is read theory because I'm a leftist and better than everyone else. All I read is the <laughs> Hamilton book my uh, basic government class told me to read. Is Hamilton theory? Uh, it's. I Actually, guess I you think could there's consider some people somewhat... that would unironically think that's like based theory. I don't dislike Hamilton, especially before like, what is it like, seventeen ninety six? Before he just kind of lost all the power he had. Oh, I thought you were talking about the musical, dude. I fucking oh, no. hate musicals. Oh okay, I want to talk about this actually. I I finished <laughs> it yesterday. I finished it yesterday, and like uh, toward the end during the Hamilton Burr uh, gun battle, uh, Chernow, which is the author, says that Hamilton purposely missed his shot, and I just. I haven't heard Hamilton since like 2017, 2016. I have no idea, but I just put my hands in my head like this and I just started like screaming. I was like, oh God, because my immediate thoughts were like, that's exactly why Lin-Manuel Miranda called the song like the first half of Hamilton, not going to throw away my shot. And I was like, I get it now and I hate what you did. <laughs> see i've never seen the musical or read about it i know my uh my sister's a huge fan of it she loves like just listening to musical soundtracks which like i guess no hate to anyone that's into that i just i don't like the musical stylings of like uh broadway stuff it's um it's kind of annoying i think a lot of musical theater is that way where it's um it's very let me flex how good i can sing and let's not worry about how good how good it sounds. Or I guess they care about a good sound because it is fucking music after all. But I don't know, man. I've never been able to uh, stand like any of that style of music. Yeah, there's only uh, there's a few musicals I can listen to. Uh, Hamilton was okay, uh, and I, I still think it's funny that Lin Manuel Miranda put himself in like the main position. Uh, even like he's a good writer. He just I've heard he can't sing that well yeah see i think the only musical i've sort of seen was um josh and bella made me watch uh fuck i don't know what it's called but i just remember there's this like opening scene where people are driving down the freeway and they jump out of their cars to like all sing together in harmony and that shit Greece? i don't know no Is it, oh uh, but i don't know but it annoyed the fuck out of me like for some i don't know what it is it's like i hate when like you build this intense scene and you're like very serious then all of a sudden it's like oh i hate that shit it pisses me off dude it, it totally like breaks the fucking energy of the movie for me but i don't know i need to re-listen since now <laughs> i like i know the entire story of hamilton except for like the 60 pages in the middle that i didn't have time to read or was too procrastinating to read uh, do we have to do we have to go see hamilton post-covid uh, I don't want to see Hamilton because like tickets are three hundred dollars right now. What I'll the go. Fuck? I'll go w watch the washed out version with you in twenty thirty, and then we can do a episode on that. Uh, Leftology episode. We can watch one of the off Broadway off Broadway ones. 
yeah, episode I, 1000. I think uh, my U.S. history teacher uh, during like senior year, she planned with the uh, we'd like a history club, like an honor society. And they planned to go to uh, Atlanta, Georgia to watch Hamilton in April of 2020. I thought or no, it was May of 2020. So like that entire plan got derailed. Had they fully like paid for it and everything? I don't think so. I, I think that they had time to reverse it. I just think it was funny because Dude. like I didn't show up to any of the meetings, nor did I pay my dues. So I get kicked out in like October. Because like we have a we have a trip that was supposed to go to Nashville for like the music uh, majors here, but uh, it got canceled, and then it was like rescheduled for fall, and then that got canceled. And like the funding is there, like we still have the funding, but I don't think it's gonna happen, and I don't know where that money is gonna go. Just, just go to everybody just winds up in Nashville. But yeah. So to the topic of the week. Yeah, d- debate debates. culture. Uh debates um, have happened since Joe Biden became president and they will continue <laughs> to happen. Sadly. They're gonna happen uh forever, I guess. Man, I honestly have come to the conclusion that I really don't like debates. I find that like my problem with them is they're never based in trying to find truth or trying to find the correct answer it's this obnoxious intellectual sport for like for like white guys to prove who has the better brain and who can like control a conversation better this will be a fun episode to release since like most of our community is borrowed from debate yeah and that's and that's the thing like man i watch debates but like debates annoy the fuck out of me like uh like the recent debate, I was watching like the first hour, like that Vosh and Bastiat debate. And it just, it feels like so often in debates, people are never trying to charitably interpret the other person's um, argument. And they're not trying to quite straw man them, but they're always just trying to like get them on something. And it always feels like this back and forth of people trying to like get people rather than trying to find the correct answer. And so it just comes off as this fucking obnoxious sport for like intellectual white dudes to like prove their dominance in the intellectual sphere. Um, and I don't know. I don't I don't really like that. What are your thoughts on debates in uh, general? I think there's definitely some problems around it being like monetized. And I think that's where a lot of it comes from is that both people are trying to they get more out of having an interesting conversation or they get more out of having an interesting debate rather than a reasonable one. So ones that people want to watch are better, but you also kind of have to take into pride in an account. Cause uh, I think I tweeted about it and I mentioned it at least once on the show here. I think I talked about it. Uh, what was it? The interview with Kim Nelson, but uh, post truth has a lot of like the stuff that goes in your brain, psychology, uh, whatever the right verb is for that like when you're being told you're wrong or when somebody's disagreeing with you is like when it comes to like a fundamental view, like an axiom or something like that, or maybe even further up from that, like being told you're wrong is like fairly close to pain, at least in the brain area. And there's a, yeah, especially thing with, especially with how much people um, like create an identity around where they fall ideologically on the political spectrum. 
yeah, I think um, when, when someone attacks like your ideology, they are kind of in some sense attacking you and attacking your intelligence. Yeah, because like your ideology does have something to do with your personality because like we're highly political too. We're just not debate bros, mainly because we don't have Wi-Fi that works very well. <laughs> um, but there's also a sense of pride to it. And there's a thing called the backlash effect where um, say I went up to you and I told you your whole worldview is wrong and I here's why. It, it might be a valid claim. Um, I'm a dick for doing it, no matter pretty much no matter what, unless you're like really fucking dumb and like bad at being a person, I guess. But that's not going to change your ideas. That's not going to make you change or rethink your or reevaluate your ideas. That's just going to make you stronger in it because it gives you like a visceral reaction to me, not a visceral reaction to what you believe. So like people, when they feel like their pride is attacked rather than like backing down and reaching a middle position, like, I mean, I guess there's a few people that do that and that well, takes a lot of regulation. Their heels in harder. Once, once you uh, start attacking what they believe, they really want to strongly defend it because you are attacking them in a sense like sometimes even they take more unreasonable positions or go stronger in on what they believe and i'm not going to say that i'm prone to that i've done it for sometimes that i've looked back and seen myself do that sometimes uh because i still end up at least in non-youtube debates like on discord servers and stuff um one of the other things that annoys me about like debates is it's it's never like uh it's never something like debates within the leftist sphere of like reform versus revolution. Like that's like occasionally happens, but I, I find it's often like these two polar opposite ideas, like the socialism versus capitalism debate that seems to come up so often. And I think the problem with these ideas is it's never, it's never like liberal capitalism versus leftist or socialism it's always like a fucking conservative or like an ancap versus like a fucking ancom and i feel like these ideologies are based in two completely separate worldviews and i don't think you could actually break down what's better within even like a three-hour debate because like the goal of each is different like you know like you could talk about like the basic goal of capitalism and like a lot of the decisions we make uh, under capitalism is to maximize profits whereas a lot of the ideas in socialism are to maximize the quality of as many people's lives as possible yeah it, it's kind of hard to debate that because there is pretty much no agreeing points between an ANCOM and an ANCAP. You're pretty much either arguing for like money on YouTube for YouTube views and stuff like that, or you're arguing yeah. for an audience kind of that might be in the middle because like ANCAP's like ideology is founded upon the belief that like private hierarchy is good. Like even though that the, there's no government, there's still the private hierarchy and like ANCOM is like their entire thing is that <laughs> all hierarchies are pretty much bad or at least there are unjust hierarchies that need to be good. In the yeah, world. yeah, because like uh, anarcho-capitalism just takes takes anarchy and makes it oh only the state's bad, and so the state makes makes things bad. But real, you know, the origins of anarchy are based in all I mean, hierarchies. That's, that's kind of why I agree that there's the thing. Um, I think they said libertarian, but I would go more towards the like extreme end of libertarian because uh, there are some that don't fall into this category. But like libertarians and ANCAPs, like that area are just fascists that haven't found their leader yet. 
And that, that's yeah. a pretty agreeable statement, honestly. Yeah. Also, that that is kind of a side note, but it is weird how often it's weird how people who 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 value individual rights so highly and value like personal freedom so highly it is interesting how they will always side with fascists over left-wing libertarians because they don't really give a fuck about like what, about what individual group rights. of people are we talking about like like the super and anarcho-capitalism people i'm more generalizing people on the lib right um but yeah i i do mean like super and cap people uh where they will side with like they'll side with fucking like trump bef- not trump because he's a isolationist and not quite uh i mean libertarians aren't people actually libertarians it, it does have that range where it could be protectionist i guess yeah because it, it oh i don't know how that works actually because there's a lot of contradictions inherent in like a, the the further you go more into libertarianism there's it's kind of just like the 14 year old libertarianism like the stuff that you get find in if you just keep watching whatever youtube recommends you once you see a one ben shapiro video it it's like an it's what i call a contradictory ideology it's something that falls apart easily once you start thinking about it because there's like all these human rights and like the basis of like modern society is that you get your rights because you give away some because there's a body that protects yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and who protects your rights if there's no governing body and they, they say they want to leave it up to private businesses to protect people's rights, which opens up this huge mess of you only have rights if you have money, uh, which is, I mean, pretty much insane. already a thing. Yeah. It's pretty much already a thing, but I I guess it's like, it just max like going that way is just maximizing like suffering for fucking poor people. Yeah. It's also like not addressing all the problems. Like I, I honestly don't think there's a thing such as a free market. I think there's a competitive market, but I don't think there's a free market because like instantly or not, not instantly, but over years, like there's going to be groups of power that assume under like certain brands, certain companies, and they have control over their specific market. They have more, uh ability to tap into other markets create new businesses like vertically integrate just like what is it called well, i'm forgetting my macro econ but like just like branch out into stuff that's not affiliated and like you could just end up with a private government like it's totally possible yeah, without yeah. regulation over like a few decades to end up with a- yeah it, like if we were to just dissolve the u.s government over the next year i i fully think just amazon would formulate their own government and their own fucking police force like, um, i would give it a few years but like it's not gonna happen like next not not month. not instantly of course but i do think that that's what would end up happening like if you really wanted the free market to succeed you would first before you dissolve the government have to take down these massive corporations that can easily outcompete anyone that tries to jump into the market i mean yeah because i think a lot of what the current libertarianist based off of is kind of like a lot of weird positions that came out of the last 50 to 70 years because beforehand like the what corporate like people were doing or taking influence over the government it wasn't just like completely getting rid of government control they had programs they have programs that benefit them because um at least up until like income tax like the multi-millionaires the people at the top the rockefellers were like fairly untapped in tax money as far as i'm concerned like 
or as far as I know. So uh, also like getting back to, or sorry, do you want to finish that? I, I was going to, yeah. Uh, so there's like a lot of programs that people or these corporations benefited off of because they wouldn't, they would kind of lower the workers expectations from what they were going to get. Like say like our welfare system benefits Walmart because it means that uh, their sales associates or workers or whatever you want to call them, aren't living under certain conditions to where they would like, have no option but to form a union in a sense because yeah, yeah like having these programs kind of like it heightens the livability of these people but it also yeah, kind of that, lowers the standard so you kind of like get a balance and like public housing benefits like the in- industry because they don't have to give their workers more money to be able to afford housing yeah and then that gets into like the main criticism of social democracy from like the left leftist perspective is that it makes people like just comfortable enough to not want to move further. Um, but I mean, I would to, say that that's fairly comfortable, especially with yeah. like stuff like, because that's, there's a huge difference between social democracies and what we have. And we could easily turn into one. I think Matt Brunig and Mouthy, uh, or I mean, Mouthy gets it from Matt Brunig, which uh, I think he's an economist. Maybe I don't, I don't know exactly what he is. Uh, it's like People's Policy Institute is what he's with. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Mouthy. Um, but like he envisions like a social wealth fund, which I think some Nordic countries use, but it, it's basically, they're still private businesses, but governments have like a pretty big share inside of them, which is kind yeah. of, uh, that's how the US government does bailouts is that they'll buy large amounts of the stock in a company. It's just, they won't hold on to that stock, which is something I disagree with. Like, when the government bailed out Boeing, we could have had a nationalized air industry pretty much, or at least a closer version of a nationalized air industry, which would have probably helped a lot of people and made other industries more efficient. Uh, I, I can't say that for sure because like, I'm not an economist. Yeah, uh, back on uh, uh, debates though, speaking about like debates and ANCAPs and such, there's also that thing that ANCAPs will do in every single debate where you'll try to nail them on something that would happen in the society they build, but they will fight back against the idea because, oh no, my my ideology is based on individual rights. So if anyone's violating individual rights, that's not my ideology. But it's like, dude, you have no government to enforce anything. You only have private institutions to enforce things. And so if a private institution uh, goes against your individual rights, no one's protecting you from that. And that would happen under your ideology. But like, there, there's no debate with that because they'll always like run away from it with oh, no, I believe in individual rights, so that wouldn't happen in my society or that wouldn't be the society I advocate for. Well, I think it's also kind of like in the direction of ideologies they've heard of, like what an individual right is kind of different from like what we have. It's kind of like I have the right to live. I have the right to, well, what is it? I have a right to do society things i don't know like i have a right to own a gun i have a right to say what i'm saying right now without being punished with the, by the government unless it's wartime and stuff blah 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 um and like libertarians at least like i want to call them like the 14 year old style of libertarianism which how i referred to them like 10 minutes ago uh they're i think it's anti-politics is the word like a lot of conservatives view it this way too i think 
my my family views it like this is kind of the more regulation there is the more oppressive a government it is is their view yeah yeah it's like it's like the two big uh failures of like the ancap ideology in my opinion are the un- inability to recognize uh i i don't remember if it's positive freedoms or negative freedoms but the um the freedom you gain by taking away a freedom so like i have the I more or less have the freedom of being killed in this country because other people will go to jail if they kill me or try to kill me. And those types of freedoms, like, like it's weird to see ANCAPs unironically getting mad about things like the civil rights bill of uh, 64 because it took away private businesses freedom to discriminate against minorities and like so i've seen and i think it must be just because it's like on like tiktok and twitter just brings out the most extreme ideologies that kids have um and they they'll value like a company's ability to discriminate against people over someone else's freedom from being discriminated and that's wild to me it's like how do you really care about freedoms if that's your view of what freedom is. Yeah, I I think also a lot of it has to do with like the youngness of a lot of these people. Like most of these people are probably like 20 or younger and have been in politics. Since, yeah, like, they yeah. were like 14 or 13. And there's a problem with that unless you like completely change it based on like new information uh, like I did when I was, what, was 17. Um, I don't want to say I'm the most rational person there is, but uh, I'm a lot more rational than when I was 16. Uh, But like these like hyper online, uh, like preteens and like young teens kind of the problem with that is that they're drawn to two things. Kind of having an extreme position gives them attention because like they'll say the most extreme thing, but there's also... Uh, another thing is like they also want approval yeah and it's like in the age where like uh a lot of things are becoming socially uh unacceptable like i think uh teenage people want to be edgy and it's not socially acceptable to be edgy in like a bigoted way like a lot of people um in the early 2010s on the internet were real fucking bigoted and that was their way of being edgy um, but now people's way of being edgy now in uh, 2020, 2021 is going on TikTok and being like, when we say eat the rich, we literally want to kill your parents and shit like that. Like that is new edginess. Oh, are you talking about the 150000 a year thing? Um, oh, I don't even fucking know. I just know like uh, there people like edginess of teenagers now is being politically polarizing whether it's like and it always seems to be it's never ancom like no one's like a really far extreme like lib left no, it's always like no ANCOM. there are ancoms there are ancoms that are like 50. no there there are but but what i'm talking about is like is like the real edgy teens are either like stalinist uh fascist or or they call themselves neocons but they'll openly admit they're neon, fascist sometimes neocons too. i think that's a different fascist are amp or they don't like neocons i thought really i thought like, like uh, paleocons was the 
oh no, I think I did mix up paleocons and neocons there. Yeah. And then it's like ancaps. Like those three sides are are the edgy like uh, extreme views for uh, like a lot of young people to have, and they'll just. I don't know, dude. It's really weird scrolling through TikTok and seeing like young, like 16 year old dudes being like, uh, yeah, I'm a fascist and I'm proud of it. And I, shit like I that. also think neoliberal has been added in the mix recently, which is a weird thing because it's kind of an oppositional thing. It's not like a real extreme because it is kind of the moderate position of the day, but it, it's a reaction to what this like extremifying has yeah happened yeah it's like the being hyper uh like middle ground is being neoliberal too yeah it's the rejection of all extremism dude neoliberals are funny too because like you'll see neoliberals uh on a social media talking about how pretentious left-wingers are like you're literally a neoliberal shut up and then being pretentious i'm trying to remember this one tiktok i saw Oh, is it like making fun of like so, uh, Southern poor people for voting Republican? Dude, that is a big problem with just all liberals in general. Like uh, there's the guy, Marcus uh, DePaulo on TikTok, who was like, who's the guy that gets really close to the camera and he's like, today is February 19th. I am in Texas and shit like that. That fucking guy. <laughs> Um, but I, I do he, want to talk about him. Let's take a break from the debate thing. I, I like the controversy surrounding him is so fucking funny, dude. Yeah, and his like his in inability to want to learn from this and grow. So, so this is the backlash effect, and in, in like full effect is like him just like not backing up at all and just just like yeah, I hate poor people. <laughs> see, dude. So, so, so for for those who aren't on tip political tiktok fucking good for you it's a horrible place to be but essentially there's this guy named marcus DePaulo. he uh he says his videos are to make it easier for people i think he said something about he wants to make it easier for young people and people with learning disabilities to be engaged with politics like he does a lot of current affairs stuff <laughs> he um he also like has talked about polyamory like in his in his uh I'll response get video I'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to that in a second anyway i, so, I want to talk i want to bring that up actually like yeah because i know i know what i want to say about it uh but go ahead um so he made this video after the big freeze in texas um talking about what happened and essentially he ends it with this it ends this video with uh Here's here's what you get. This is what you voted for, Texas, implying that all Texans chose to have a privatized power grid that would fail because of an unforeseen uh, climate change effect. I would not honestly be surprised if like, I don't know how long it's been privatized, but I would not be surprised if it was privatized through like some big... Uh, astroturf group which is kind of like when astroturf for those who aren't like who haven't taken a government class before uh is like when like a big corporation or like a big interest group like funds another group in order to seem like it's grassroots but it's not really they're just kind of like saying stuff for the yeah because like astroturf is like fake grass and uh, yeah. so there's someone that tries to appear grassroots, but is actually funded by a bigger company like yeah. uh, like PragerU, like Steven Crowder. Bishop I would say Hero. those are AstroTurf specifically because they don't really seem grassroots because like PragerU, like Prager has been doing 
conservative ship for 30 years. I should years. have said uh, Stephen Crowder first because he always talks about being – he says he's funded completely by the Mug Club thing, but he gets uh, – he's got some – some big donors in his uh, let's see like a lot of advertisements that come up like the week before like a anti-oil opponent i think there's a case in montana that we watched in my high school ap gov class where like it was like the month before like the oil companies just went on like a brigade of like libel i think it was against this democratic candidate and he didn't have time to fight back before like it literally just tanked his campaign uh, but if you're in South Carolina, I think Club for Growth is definitely one. It's the anti-Santi Cooper uh, electrical or the nuclear plant thing. You'll see it like Twitter and Facebook ads. Uh, but back to what's his name? Yeah. Is it Marcus? Back to Marcus DePaulo. Yeah. Uh, so after he did that, the video blaming a Texans, lot of a lot of leftist TikTok was calling him out, asking for him to apologize, pointing out the fact that Texas is heavily gerrymandered with them long slash districts and shit it's heavily gerrymandered to be republican leaning and uh if you're yeah if you're on the uh if you're listening to this through the audio version if you're one of those like 10 people that actually do that um i'm gonna draw this out with my hands go look it up but uh (laughs) what's his name uh ted crenshaw's district is literally just like it's like it's like shaped like that. it's yeah, like really it's thin a, like right above houston i want to say it's like a backslash with like a point at the top almost yeah it, it's it's kind of like you look at a map and you're like how how did they get away with that i, I how did what independent what government organization drew that and was like we can get away with this one a republican one <laughs> i mean yeah pretty much um but it yeah, it's 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 I keep uh, forgetting his name. Gosh, it's a state that's had some problems with uh, voter suppression and gerrymandering, and so a bunch of leftist TikTokers pointed out the fact that he, that this video blaming Texans for the power outages and being frozen and shit. He, they were pointing out that he was being very classist with this, and they were asking for him to apologize. First, uh, I want to talk about the video he made. Oh, but first, before the video he made on TikTok, he he like he he addressed it on Twitter and was essentially like, "Yeah, when you're angry about something bad that happens, you'll say things." Or it was something along those lines. Just no regret, no no anything. Just 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 tried to justify what he's saying and move past it. And it wasn't till I think it was like multiple days. I think passed before. I haven't seen TikTok his video, actual right? videos for a month or so. Yeah, I had to unfollow him after this. Like, I, I did not. I don't know if I'm following him or not, actually. But somebody stitched the video of his, like, what would, what should have been his apology. So um, so he responds to, like, all of his criticism in a, in a TikTok, like, not really addressing it. But he says, hello, everybody, uh, that I got new followers after this controversy. And it's, like, very monotone voice. And he talks about like what he does. Like he doesn't, I don't even think he addresses what he said at all. And then at the end, just randomly, he says, at all times, I'm dating about 10 to 20 women. And it just ends. It ends. And that's that's the section that the person <laughs> yeah, stitched. He starts he starts describing his like his uh channel and how he makes political content that's short and easy to watch on TikTok. And he's like, I'm often dating 10 to 20 women. And that was fucking it. And you didn't even address that's the funny part of this video. You didn't even address the really bad part of this video. Do you remember how it opened? 
Not at all, really. It opened with like this clip of a fucking police shooting, I think it was. Oh, it was from his video from when he was covering Ferguson, I believe. Which Yeah. It opened with a fucking police shooting. Let me see if I can find this video. I thought it was like him in the on the ground in Ferguson while people were getting attacked. So so here here's the video. So it opens with with like uh either a police shooting or like the Ferguson riots and it's checking out my page i'm sure you're here because of this texas video i very rarely express opinions but when i do they're usually strong opinions and since people are more likely to share strong opinions on their personal social media there are now a bunch of new people following me hi it's nice to meet all of you my name is marcus uh, i was born in boston i forgot about this <laughs> producer i normally work for mainstream media outlets i've been in journalism since high school and at the national level since 2014 when i first covered a little closer oh and it goes back to uh ferguson clips Put it a little closer to the mic. 10 to 20 women at the same time. And yes, the ones that play PC games are my favorites. <laughs> How is that? How, what the fuck, man? So you put out this really fucking insanely classes video that's just shitting on poor people of Texas. You use Ferguson clips to clickbait people into watching it. And then you go, hey, my new followers, look at all these languages I speak. I'm dating 10 to 20 women at any time. What the fuck? How is that unironically your response? I hope he's dating 9 to 20 women now. That's what he deserves. Dude, and like the comments are are all just about how awful this is. Like this one comment says, police brutality video. Hi to all my new followers. <laughs> what the fuck, man? That's I've ne- I don't think there is a worse apology video. Like I've, I've Shane, well, Shane there, Dawson probably did a better no, job than there's that. There's no worse apology because it's not even a fucking apology video. It, it's literally just he tries to like brush off this statement instead of like instead of even making a fucking attempt to reflect on what he said. It's insane. I I just think it's funny that he tried to flex his polyamory. Yes, dude, that shit is so fucking funny. People Ooh. are like. Hey man, it was kind of fucked up that you said Texans deserve to freeze because they voted for this. I'm normally dating 10 to 20 women. <laughs> hey, it's bad that you kind of hate poor people. Um, but I be fucking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hate poor people, but I have a lot of sex with a lot of women. Also, I just don't fucking believe him. I don't think anyone watching that video does either. I, I, like, so. I, I think I was going to say before you started playing it uh, was that like that in part is what the person, the first thing I saw on it, the stitch. So I thought it was edited. Like I didn't think that was real. And then I watched the whole video and it is, it's just what the fuck, man. It doesn't seem real. And like the first time I saw it on my for you page, I scrolled past it because I didn't even think it was the apology because it was a fucking Ferguson clip and then just him talking do like new followers or some shit i'm like this cannot be what i'm expecting because i was looking around for a fucking apology from him 
But yeah, and 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 the, and the, the craziest part is it's just it's not even going to affect him. No one's going to unfollow him for this. No, I think it'll have an effect. I think. Well, I I shouldn't say no effect at all. I I think in the grand scheme of things, it it is. I think it's already just blown over. And like there are people in the comments. A lot of them are attacking him, but there are also people like defending him. It, it's 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 really bad, and that's that's the interesting thing. Like, uh, for how much people talk about cancel culture, no one ever really gets canceled. Like, no, they a lot of people get like a different audience. Like Amber Heard might get canceled. Like it's up in the air right now. Like she might get fired from Aquaman too. I think it's up in the air. Oh, but like yeah, she did a mind. lot of bad things. Like she sexually assaulted and like cut off Johnny Depp's finger, and then blamed and then said that he was doing that. Not the finger thing, but like the sexual assault thing. Yeah, I, I should I should clarify. Very few people get canceled. Like you know, all the comedians that have, that have like sexual assault, uh, fucking allegations, end up just disappearing for a year and then coming back and playing like the same size clubs they were playing before. And like with like a that. different audience, like they have like an audience of like thirty five to fifty five year olds that watch Fox News all day and get like, yeah. Their- their money from like the most evil See, way possible. I don't even know about that because like I'll think of even mu- music artists. Uh, a lot of musical artists I I see they only get canceled or like it only is like, successful if they choose to stop making music. Like I'm thinking like the Buttertones are only really canceled because they chose to stop making music afterwards. And like people like the Growlers, who uh, are are still just putting posting shit on their social media and still have like tons of listeners. Um, I would suggest to anybody that there's if you like a canceled artist um, and you don't want to give them money, uh, please listen to their music on Spotify. <laughs> so here, here's my take, and I, I'm curious of your take when it comes to quote-unquote canceled artists. In my opinion, I don't think you should listen to music at all. That's I don't – like I have personally – like. I stopped listening to the butter tones after it happened. Oh, I, I my, you just said music, and I was like, oh, should I just stop listening to music now? Oh, no, I meant their music. But, like, I was a really big fan of the Growlers. I completely took them out of, like, my regular listening. You know, I was really getting into the butter tones when they got canceled. I completely took them out of my listening. Just pirate if their you, music. If you, yeah, I was about to get to that. If you, for some reason, absolutely have to listen to this band, just do it in a way that does not support them. And that means listening to them on Spotify and iTunes, even though it's not giving them a ton of fucking money, you're still supporting those artists by streaming their music. And so, like, still a I think joke. if you that, yeah, <laughs> if you're that desperate to like listen to these artists, fucking buy their CD secondhand. Don't, don't fucking stream their music and continue to give them money. Don't post about them on your social media. Don't go to their shows. Don't put them in front of any new ears that they could have a, uh, a negative effect on because that's the thing with me it's like dude how are you gonna like promote a band that's been accused of sexual assault possibly leading someone you know into going to one of their shows and possibly leading them into a bad scenario that's i don't know that's the way i see it like that's like the m- worst case scenario uh to happen out of that but that is is kind of how i see it like i i don't believe people like, there's so many artists trying to make it right now i don't think we should be supporting uh shitty people like you can find a less shitty version of an artist that sounds better or similar to those people like i guess it's glad that we finally have a cancel culture because like 
the stuff that they got away with in like the 60s and 70s with like i think jimmy page and david bowie hit on the same underage girl like three years apart from each other you know i actually saw someone saying that like canceling and forcing artists to be a cance- accountable was more powerful in like the 2000s than it is now in the 2010s in the supposed cancel culture era like, like what, uh, what artists got canceled in the 2000s no one really got earlier. canceled but like uh I feel like people were more outraged by when artists did bad things. Like, I feel like, I feel like people almost don't it, have it matters strong- what we're talking about now, because like conservatives have always had this like cancel culture up until like, even they have it today still. Um, it's just, they've kind of had to like move the that's line a funny up. Thing. Uh, that's the, that's a funny thing. Conservative cancel culture is everywhere. I mean, you could consider fucking McCarthyism, fucking cancel culture, trying to like root out all these fucking socialists and put them in jail. But even more recently going like Dan Crenshaw going on Joe Rogan and Fox news to bitch about how Hassan was mean to him. That's fucking conservative cancel culture. And that kind of shit happens pretty often. And, but we never we never recognize that because cancel culture is seen, seen as the radical, crazy left that's getting way out of control, man. I mean, that's a fairly recent thing because like, like right wing cancel culture or like more conservative cancel culture has been going on for a long time. That's why we have the parental con or the explicit content warning on albums is because like, uh, what is their name? Ooh, Tipper Gore. And like every other powerful wife in Washington in the eighties, um, like hated just they heard metal and Prince music, and then they were like, "Okay, this is too yeah, sexual and demonic." And then by the time they got it, it pretty much only affected black people music. Yeah, there's there's always it's a old conservative people. There's always something corrupting the kids. It, and, it's and always the, oh, go ahead. It was like rock and roll. It's heavy metal. It's the grunge music. It's the rap music and now it's um the belief in equality apparently hyper pop nah your kids are listening to the squirrels sing i'm on a sugar crash i get some fucking cash (laughs) dude that song fucking it comes up on tiktok so much that i i've heard it so many times in like those minecraft memes that i've started to enjoy that song and it's a little fucked up I mean, in the 2000s, you get the Dixie Chicks because uh, I think they were like, because they, they are. In a were they cons- the ones that went, a win- went against the Iraq war? Yeah, because like country music in general by that point uh, had taken like such a patriotic shift after 9-11. Yeah. And uh, like this is in the time where like Bush is at like 80 to 90 percent support. And I think they got they got canceled in like 2002 for being against or no, it would be 2003 for being against the Iraq war. I'm not sure of the exact date, but they were anti-Bush and like all the people that listen to country by like the early 2000s are conservative. So they pretty much just lost their audience. I think that's an interesting thing to point out too, is what people actually get canceled for. Like when the radical left cancels someone, it's like they're saying bigoted shit or like they sexually assaulted someone. Conservatives are like, you ideologically don't agree with me. You think war's bad. And and that's what people get canceled for. Like one of the more recent examples also in country music was uh, Tyler Childers re- released his uh, song Long Violent History last year. 
and a bunch and it, it's essentially a, a call to rural white people to be more empathetic with the black lives matter movement and um that, that's essentially what it's it's, it's trying to build solidarity amongst like rural white people that are more conservative with uh, that movement. And a bunch of people are like, I can't listen to you anymore after this. Why, why do you have to get political? Why do you have to get fucking political? Rage it, it, against the machine. Kind of, why do you have to get political? <laughs> it's also kind of weird what they do consider political too, because like country music, a lot of it is political and they just kind of ignore it because yeah. I guess they see what they support as unpolitical in a sense. That's that's something too. Is all early country music is fucking left wing, like union worker shit. It's all about fucking coal miners getting mistreated by their bosses and stuff like that. Like there's literally nine to five by Dolly yeah. Parton. Yeah, that's that's the fucking cornerstone of uh, socialist theory. Is fucking yeah. Dolly Parton's nine to five. Uh, the Frankfurt School is like. What's this, Dolly? Oh, I guess I'll start writing theory now. <laughs> yeah, Karl Marx actually was inspired by Dolly Parton. You can cite that here if your teacher asks. You can put that in your little paper. A leftology, what are we at? Like minute 45? Put that in your little academic paper. Um, but yeah, man, like cancel culture could definitely, I think... I think leftists know it goes both ways. Left-leaning people know it goes both ways. But it, it's it's interesting how often it'll get called out by right-wingers, but they won't acknowledge it when it goes back towards them. Yeah, Honestly, and I think if, it, if it's going to work, it matters with the audiences beforehand. Because if you have an audience that doesn't care or you're in an industry that isn't going to be impacted by that news, then nothing's going to be changed at all. And speaking of nothing changing... I feel like this brings us back to our original topic, <laughs> debates. Yes. <laughs> that, that is a, uh, well, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about more debates. Let's talk about discourse. Um, I tweeted this discourse. a couple weeks ago, um, but at this point, I've been on Twitter for long enough. Uh, I'm going to put this theory out here. Leftist discourse is a CIA plot. <laughs> you know, people say left are always talk about left wing infighting, but are liberals and conservatives arguing not right wing infighting? That's capitalist I mean, it infighting. Really baby. means what you because like <laughs> some people are just so confused. It's like where are the liberals on the graph? It's being like, an anti-communist Stalinist is like is like as different as being a fucking liberal and a conservative. Well, they want the same thing in theory, at least, because they do want a classless, moneyless, and hierarchyless society. No, that's classless. Uh, stateless. It's yeah. just they kind of have a different. They have different opinions on what socialism yeah, is. Yeah, they, they, they have different opinions on the transitionary state, of course. Yeah, and so so I yeah I get that, um, but but really, man. Sorry, what were you gonna say about left left wing infighting? Uh, it's like we're all trying to achieve this one goal that hasn't never been gotten to yet. So we're all just trying to find different ways to get there, and that's that's all where we disagree. And like we also disagree on what that that thing looks like, even though that it has the same terminology. I think like one of the hardest things to that we have to address is I think there's a lot of left-wing people that want to instantly write off 
uh, a lot of previous attempts because of the fact that you're not going to convince someone that Russia was good. You know, you're not going to convince, I don't think you're going to convince a liberal that Russia was good. So, okay. I want to suggest something to all leftists as I have viewed, let's look at the enemy. Uh, The enemy is, let's just generally, the enemy is imperialism and imperialism is adapting. Like, I think oh, we wait, need can to I do finish that, that thought real quick. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, but but I think what what a lot of uh like more ancom type leftists they don't want to defend these countries, so they instantly write it off. And then um, with when it comes to like more Stalinist types, they're they're almost backed into the corner of having to defend the USSR, and they never get a chance to like critique anything because they're constantly being backed into this corner of anti left from anti left people. But yeah, go on with what you're saying. So, like, let's say the big enemy of socialism, communism is imperialism. It's like my understanding of imperialism is like the people who are like at the top or the country that's at the top is kind of like learning from the past. Um, so you kind of have let's start off with like colonialism as the beginning of imperialism, which that's questionable, but like 1500, 1600s, there's kind of like a direct rule. It's a a blue water empire thing. Like that doesn't work out very well because it's kind of easy to see who's like oppressing you kind of. Does that make sense? No, I, I, I'm not sure what you're saying. So like, colonialism as like the tool of like imperialism yeah. didn't work because it was too apparent yeah like the class struggle is too obvious so like what happens is like america notices that and instead of like creating like an actual empire like they stopped doing like the traditional colonialism after like the spanish war after they took over the philippines and cuba uh so they kind of realized the faults in that style and they shift to like neocolonialism which is kind of what america is still doing it's kind of like having control and influence over the political spheres of these countries instead of directly controlling them. Yeah, it's kind of like, this kind of does, in a sense, go back to like the ANCAP thing of like, it's not the government taking away your rights, it's like private industries, and so that's better. With with this neocolonialism, you don't have direct control over other countries. You just are heavily influential in their entire economy and like it is a mixed thing still so so here's this thing that um vosh and bastiat were talking about uh and their recent debate where vosh was saying the imf giving out loans to uh developing nations and forcing them to follow a set of rules is a bit coercive but it is a voluntary transaction so it's better than if we fully took control over their over their country but we are essentially forcing them to follow our rules uh, for them to be able to economically. It's like signing a prenup on the day of your marriage. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, we've accepted a lot of things because they're not involuntary. They're just coercive, which is for some reason better. Yeah. Cause uh, like we still put dictators in power still, like we do our coups through like, information wars or whatever the cia actually does um so there's still like a physical element to it and i think the physical element kind of with like our leaders getting dumber like george bush and trump are fairly are fairly dumb people uh yeah it kind of gets too apparent too 
And as we're going to see in the next, what is it, like 20 to 50 years, uh, China's going to come up as the big power and that they're going to do imperialism just like the rest of us. Like, don't think China's not going to fucking do imperialism. They're just not in the place to do it yet. Um, but th- they've already set up, they've already doing this trade thing and they've learned that like putting military people on the ground is also too apparent, even though they're, they're building up in the military in South China Sea, I want to say, to protect that area that they've taken control of through like... I'm, I'm not very uh, knowledgeable on Chinese politics, uh, to be honest. Like this, this isn't going to be... I might get shit from the, like, the people further left than us on this, but they've kind of taken an even further step back to keep control because they're investing in countries that aren't typically invested in for like, I don't know, whatever reason. Um, but like the West, in order to get like into their political sphere, they still have control over them, but they're not like placing their leaders in like America did. So they're getting their favor first, but they still they still get control. There still might be, I don't want to say like direct coercion at least involved, but like the imperialist front, which should be our enemy. I think China and the United States should both be considered bad. Uh, and we both need to change them completely. Both are really oppressive in one way or the other. And w- they're learning from each other. They're adapting to what needs to be done to make sure that the oppression isn't too apparent, but also that you don't rise up or change anything drastically enough to alter the power play, I guess. In the or Not power play. That's the wrong term. That's kinky. Uh, the the power dispersion, I guess, is the word I'll use. They don't want it to drastically change at all, but they also, they change their methods up enough in order to keep it to where... Yeah, like like I said earlier. Playing 40 chess, man. Yeah, they're playing 40 chess, and like, the way I would say this to a leftist is like, we need to learn from the enemy, which I would regard as the United States and China. Um, But and like the past Europe, I guess, Imperial Europe. And we do the learn that they're adapting to the times to become more favorable to still have control of those reason regions. And socialism doesn't need to stay that stay the way it is either. We don't need to keep using the Paris commune or whatever they did in Barcelona as like our structure of how we need to do it because those aren't gonna work anymore. Yeah. And they barely worked when they were done. I don't know. I think there's uh, a lot more to learn from previous uh, socialist experiments, then I think some leftists will want to recognize. I'm not saying like, don't learn from them. I'm just saying, like, yeah. don't try and copy. Don't think that's the only way you can do it because they have flaws. You need to accept they have flaws. And we need to take what parts worked out of it and we need to change what didn't. Yeah, because, like, I've been reading uh, for a paper I'm writing for school. I've been reading a lot about Yugoslavia. And I like a lot of the base ideas that they structure their society around like a lot of their society is structured around the idea of like self-management um and so that comes into play in lots of different ways like you have it in the workplace where it's a workplace democracy um schools aren't aren't like uh the principal deciding who gets to be the vice principal and like or secretary or however that's decided like the board directors i don't fucking know off the top of my head um but but you'll have a council of people like students and teachers and uh, all the faculty at a uh, in an institution that all collectively make decisions of 
what needs to be going on at the school or they'll elect representatives directly to make those decisions. And I think a lot of these ideas of democracy, um, like the idea of democracy could be expanded on a lot more. And I think that's, that's become a lot of the basis of what my ideology is, is essentially just maximizing democracy in as many parts of life as possible. And not just having it in the government sphere, sphere, but bringing it into like uh, your workplace as well. And also the the things they did for like community building, like having publicly funded sports. Uh, I think it's 0.5% of everyone's income in uh, Yugoslavia went into funding uh, sports programs. And they also didn't have like, they didn't have like this big privatized system of teams. They had like, uh, I think it's four, three or four levels of sports leagues where you had like the communal sports league, you had the Republic's teams, and then you had the national team and like each league would like scout out people from the lower leagues. And so like, there's this direct pipeline to like success in uh, sports, which I think is really interesting as well. But it's, it, again, it was a publicly funded thing. Um, and it was uh, pushed as like a way to bring people together. And, I, and that's something I've been thinking about a lot in America is we need more uh, uh, community building uh, to happen. Like, uh, like a lot of us are distanced in the society. That's a problem, especially in the last 20 years with the advent of the internet where you can talk to people that you don't even see the faces of or you can act anonymous and you could get angry and that probably also does something with debate culture because you're on a screen i like if we were actually debating you can't attack me and i can't attack you we can only have a word fight uh and if we get angry that's the the only way we can take it out which is a plus and a negative i guess because there's the there's the distance that allows you to get away with a little bit more um but if you do get a little bit more uh i don't fear getting attacked i guess so th- there's both sides to it. Yeah, and another thing about like uh, some of the previous social socialist experiments that I really like was um, the a lot of people see this as a negative, but like with the apartment complexes where they packed a lot of people into a single building, and then they'd have like parks surrounding these individual buildings, where like instead of going into your backyard where you're hidden away from everyone to play catch with your son you walk out to the park you're playing catch with your son you see another dad playing catch with his son you guys come together to throw the ball and start talking and now and i feel like there's too much like our society is too built we're we're too private almost we're too built in isolation we almost need we almost need uh to structure our society in a way that not necessarily forces people to, but like kind of uh, gives people a want to come together in like public spaces more often. I mean, I I would say that education is going to be a big part of that because uh, as I learned uh, when we were going over the history section in my international class. uh, So after Napoleon takes over in the early 19th century, he starts a school in Paris for teachers instead of students and like all the teachers in the nation went there to learn like a uniform thing in order to bring the nation together and all the places they conquered together to create like a uniform vision and history and i I don't think we should do it like in a coercive model or re-education camps i'm pretty against both of those uh but like through the educational system we do need to change it to where like people's loyalty aren't to like 
self-interest or to like a particular nation but i think like humanity as a whole like working together like your responsibilities to your neighbor and your neighbor's responsibilities to you is something we probably should be like trying to get out there and trying to i guess in the marxist word of it trying to topple over like the i the individual ideology of america i guess yeah i i I think like I was talking, I was talking to someone about this uh, this past week. I think the biggest plague to America is hyper individualism, and I think we need to do more to build communities. And I think those communities will build empathy. I think we also need more better representation of uh, minority groups in like film and media. Um, I think people need not. I, I think not like like we talk uh, we talk about how Black Panthers is good. Black Panther is good because we have it gives black kids a superhero to look up to. But I think also giving white people that grow up in very white neighborhoods and go to very white schools, them seeing Black Panther and seeing that uh, seeing a black person in a very positive light is also good for them because it fights it fights uh, stereotypes that might develop from being in an all white area. And and I, I, I think there's still some problems with Black Panther itself and the ideology. I, I've never has. seen it. I, I just think in, in general, representation uh, is a good thing. It, it is, yeah. I would, It was a pretty good movie. I just think like it does some things poorly. Like it, it's still... I haven't seen it in a while, so it's kind of hard. Like Michael B. Jordan was kind of right, I guess. It was a little violent in the way that he was going to outlook or do his thing but like in the end like he wasn't completely wrong i i'm gonna be honest i've never seen the movie so i have no fucking clue what you're talking about right now it is it's good if you have disney plus go watch it definitely worth it um i'm assuming you haven't seen the recent uh i still haven't seen uh judas and the black messiah yeah i haven't seen that i want to watch that's a really we could do an episode on that soon once i watch it yeah, um, there's a lot of interesting to talk about that because the the character that um, who's the guy that that is like a cop and knives out, and he's also one of the main characters in Judas and the Black. Messiah. I know who you're talking about. Let me look it up real quick. Do do do. I don't know his name. I've, I'm really bad at fucking. Names he's like. a really good actor. He's in a Atlanta Dude. and. Oh yeah, yeah, he's in Atlanta too. Yeah, uh, I, I still need to finish Atlanta. Uh, it's a movie with horse people in it. Uh, sorry to bother you. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> horse people movie lakeith stanfield yes he's a dope actor um, he, he but the, is he but in the, dope what is he in dope oh i just think he's a dope actor i don't know about i don't know there's about a show named dope no 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 he isn't dope yeah the movie dope <laughs> but uh the person his character is based off of there's also this really good interview that um i can link you to on vimeo uh that that shows a lot about where the plot came from and uh i've I've read a little bit on the story um like i would like to do movie episodes soon so if you could watch sorry to bother you i'll watch judas and the black messiah and we could i gotta watch judas and the black messiah again because i've been meaning to watch it again because i just i loved it so much is it on hbo yeah it's hbo max only and it's um it's fairly historically accurate I'll if watch you, it when I go back home because uh, I think we signed up for HBO through a way that we can't get the password 
Like we can only use <laughs> yeah, it on our. I've heard some people have it from having another service. Yeah, we, we bought it on. Is, I think my family bought it on Amazon, and now we can only log in through like our Amazon Fire Sticks, which I don't have here at college. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's a really good movie. If if you haven't seen it, it is. It's like fifteen bucks for a month of uh, HBO Max. I think that movie is worth fifteen bucks to watch it. And there's also good shows on there, like uh, me and Olive. Uh, we we're like uh, we. I gotta find a reason to to justify having paid for this. So we've been watching uh, the show We're Here, which is um, a bunch of drag queens going into a small town and uh, putting on a drag show with some local people that have never done drag before. Dude, that show has some interesting shit because they showed up. Uh, I don't remember what town it was, but they would li- they were literally like just walking around and drag and like multiple places like called the police on them for just being there Oof. like just walking down the street and shit it's really it's it's really weird yeah but that's a good show it, it, it's it's another good show if you're going to get hbo max i think jojo rabbit's on there too i i might, i wa- we watched it back in december oh i haven't even looked at that um, we watched it recently enough yeah, we talked a lot through that movie, so I don't remember a lot of it. Uh-huh. I just remember what he like. Pun- I, I remember like a part where he like punches Hitler out the window or some shit like that. Yeah, there, there's the. Uh, we watched it back when uh, you could still go to movie theaters. It was my second watching. Uh, my first time I watched it, I learned that they had all the Oscar nominated movies at the Swamp Fox across town. So like, I bought a ticket on the Regal app, and like my econ class got out that day, my third period class. And like I just ran, I just drove straight. Like I didn't even go to lunch. I just went straight to the theaters, and I, I watched it in a theater by myself. So I was just walking around sometimes. Um, and the second time I was with Ethan and Olive, and that's like I knew the scene was gonna come up. So I just like lean over and I'm like, like Jojo just he's like fuck off Hitler, and then he kicks Hitler through the door. And I was like me when I see Mitch McConnell. <laughs> is that where the the <clears throat> is that the original telling of that joke? That's that's the original title. That's where that joke originates from. That is a uh, a common meme for us. Is me when I see Mitch McConnell, <laughs> or just me when I see whoever really? Yeah, m- me when I see Mitch McConnell is now part of the leftology lore. It's part of our canon now. You haven't tw- we haven't tweeted any uh, me when I see Mitch McConnell tweets, have we? Should I just like impact font like I did when uh, me and Ethan had a meme page? Dude, we gotta we gotta do more impact font memes. I thought that one tweet that I put out was really fucking stupid and was not gonna get any likes. Wait, which and one? Then it did. The one where it's like when the boss asked if I could stay late, and it's the picture <laughs> of Blink One Eight Two, and it says, "What's my wage again?" Oh, that one. yeah, that one was pretty <laughs> good, honestly. Uh, it just just like everybody follow our Twitter. Um, see. The thing about following our Twitter is that it gives both of us serotonin <laughs> and it will give you serotonin too. So it'll make us of, happy so that we can post good tweets. All of us benefit from this. Like the happier we are, the more time we're going to spend on homework. And the more time we spend on homework, the less procrastinating we do. And the less procrastinating we do, the more episodes you get out. So follow our Twitter, make a second account, follow that again um yeah man it is so hard to get shit done during the school year because i feel like i'm i'm i feel like i'm so fucking busy like uh this week especially um 
I, like I spent all of Thursday researching for this paper that I'm working on writing and I'm, and I spent like the morning Friday and Saturday and then hanging out with all of in the afternoon. I'm, I'm just glad that the paper we're doing the, uh, at college here, we're doing the parody issue where we can make satire argues or not argues, uh, articles. So like, I'm already done. Like I finished like a week, a week, a week and a half before I need to submit. So yeah. that's not going to affect me much. Uh, but hopefully we can get maybe every other week, like we planned a schedule out. Uh, yeah, that was the original plan every other week. It's really hard to find time to do it. Um, I've been working on having my Sundays more open for recording, though. Yeah. And, like, I'm also getting back into music, too, making it, even though, like, I'll do it in, like, three sittings. Like, I'll make a song in a couple sittings. I'll go back to it the next day. Uh, like, I do finally do stuff now. But uh, I spend a lot of my time reading. And back to the impact font memes, like, I think like I'd show any of the ones that we made to my girlfriend and it's like, she wouldn't think they're funny at all. Like, see, totally see that's how I level. know it's a good tweet is when I can show it to all of them and they laugh. Uh, Cause like, uh, I don't know, dude, I'll, I'll make a lot of bad jokes, man. Being funny on Twitter is fucking hard. Cause like you'll spend 30 minutes trying to write a tweet. That's not even that funny. Like the other tweet I put out the other day about conservative arguments conservatives will make up any confounding variable to debunk a study you could be talking about systematic racism and they'll go but does it the study account for the name of their first childhood pet and that was a tweet and that took me like fucking 30 minutes to think about because like i kept uh typing it in and then untyping it because the wording wasn't quite how i wanted it i mean i guess that that's the problem with like not even debate things as their like topic of the episode would be but like online politics in general is that people are trying to get likes people like the serotonin i think we mentioned that at the beginning yeah yeah i yeah it's it's uh you get a bunch of money from having these aggressive debates i think i think a lot of like there's that like patriarchal thing of like dudes wanting to like assert their dominance intellectually over people um there's also there's the weird culture developing i know mouthy like joked about joked about this to you when you tweeted about debating where it's like the oh you wanna do you wanna come on my stream and talk about that? That shit. Like uh there's that guy on uh, TikTok with all the really bad takes, uh Papa Gut. And like he he doesn't discourse on TikTok anymore. He's just like he, anytime someone's mad at him in the comments, he's like, oh, just come on my stream and talk about that. And I fucking hate that culture. I don't mind it when it's two Twitch streamers discussing shit, or like two streamers in general. I hate the culture of bringing someone on that doesn't talk for a living and is not a good uh communicator and i guess i empathize with this because i'm a shit communicator but i hate bringing them onto your platform where it's your audience and you have the complete upper hand and control i don't know man i don't like that it feels uh it's just weird i mean i have problems with like platforming i guess like i don't know the moral implications of that it, i'm not even talking of, about platforming like it, it's people. kind of hard like you do want to make good content and you don't want to be mad at the content you make either like yeah a lot of the group we're in like i i don't want to spend that much time online just getting in the baits like it, it feels incredibly unhealthy 
Yeah. Also, uh, I think one of the biggest things about debates that, that bothers me, and I don't think I mentioned this yet, is the uh, the fact that winning a debate doesn't mean you're correct. Like you could be completely wrong on every premise made if you're skilled enough to control the conversation and to overwhelm your opponent and like make it harder for them to respond and shit. That's what Ben Shapiro does. I, I think I mentioned it on the last episode with Dorsey. Like and Ben Shapiro's what, a horrible yeah. debater. He's just good at controlling the conversation. I'll, I'll say no, he's a good debater. He's just dumb. Like he has no good like views. And his views aren't that fact-based. He's just good at presenting them really quickly. And I think that's what like I think that's like my primary uh, problem with debates is how much it is just based around who can talk the fastest, who can spit the correct information off the top of their head. It's not about who's right. It's about it, it, it is it's its own skill by itself. And that's why, like, that's why, like, you're not going to catch me fucking hopping on someone's stream to discuss something because, like, I'm not a good communicator, especially on the fly, you know? I mean, I'll I'll hop on people's stream. Invite me on your stream. Uh, put all your put all my links in your bio. Um, that that's that's the thing you have to do. I told Malfi, I'll hop on. I'll get in VC anytime. Just put all my links in the bio. Put them in the chat every five seconds. Um, I I don't know what else. I can't continue this joke. Uh, yeah, man. Just give me exposure, bro. Yeah, just give just pay me with exposure. I think um, that literally is the only point into going on like a bigger person stream because isn't that how Vosh got his start? Is like I have no Destiny idea. Like I enjoyed like going on SDL stream. I don't think it got us. And it got us a couple followers, but like I'm not gonna say it, it got us. Like I don't know, man. I just I, I I think it's like if you're having a discussion, you're chatting. It's one thing. It's uh it's another thing if it's gonna be like this antagonistic like uncomfortable thing. I I don't know. And and, and I'm such a hypocrite for saying all this shit because I I do still watch debates. And I, I watch debates because it's one of the few places that the that you can get talking like left wing talking points, because uh, it, it is a way of dispersing talking points. But I do think the left needs a better way of doing that. Did you see uh, Matt Panada's going on SDL's stream for like thirty seconds? Yeah, yeah, on Twitter where he was just <laughs> playing the Beatles or some shit like that. No, 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 no. I think he was like, did he play the Beatles? Uh, I think maybe I, I remember him playing a Beatles song when he logged. Like, on. I thought he, he did. He, like, his whole thing was he was going to play copyrighted music. He went on there and was start. He started like doing a like a personal ad for Pornhub. I think. Oh yeah, that's what I remember. He's just like, if you want to get some, uh, if you want to watch yeah, some bitches fuck, and... go to Pornhub.com or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, he was like trying to get the stream banned. That's fucking lame. That's corny it's it's such a bummer dude there's so many leftists that are fucking horrible on twitter but make like good thing we can't videos. get banned or demonetized because we don't have we don't get enough monetized. viewers if you stay demonetized wait you can't get demonetized if you stay demonetized we're not staying demonetized we demonetized and first we're making money from this but yeah man um i don't know i uh the left needs to move past uh, debate discourse. And I like that there's streamers that just do like instant uh, rebuttals and like reactions, but I think that's almost too much of left-wing content. And they're like, I feel like we could benefit from having more, more thought out content. Cause like we've been saying I this watch, for months. 
Yeah, it's something that everyone's been saying for months. And I've seen people from like a year, year or two ago talking about this is like, yeah, the React content's good. But like uh, even like uh, I'll see people do like slightly more thought out stuff. Like they'll think about it, but they'll still just like get on camera and ramble. They're not like uh, scripted videos and things like that. And I can't blame them. It does take more time. And that's what we do. Like we don't do what? much preparing. We just kind of. Yeah, we. This is a podcast. That's fine. You can get on podcast and ramble. Yeah, I don't, one of these I'll episodes, I'll do more I'll... prepares. Like I've talked to you about doing more prepared stuff, but you're always like, "No, I want to do like an actual video on that." But I don't think that's going to happen. We need to just like. Yeah, we need do to more prepared uh, when the summer hits, and uh, yeah, either me or the person who has a camera doesn't get sick at the same time. Uh, we'll film those. We'll like, I would have a. I would have an episode. I would have See, a. We could even do video. episodes that are more prepared and more thought out. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. I, I'd love to do a podcast talking about uh, more, more about ANCAPs because I've, I've thought about this more than, more than what we've talked about. I just like blanked a little bit. Um, I, we talked about having our friend on who ha- was a big fan of Rand, Ayn Rand, right? No, yeah, yeah. Eric he was, was a, he was in college. Which yeah. is like, I don't know how long ago that was. Dude, and that's something I, I want to talk about because, like, fucking, I don't ever read uh, ANCAP theory, but I'll see people talk about ANCAP theory. And, like, uh, the one thing that really inspired this is back in December, I saw this TikTok of this girl that was explaining a, a chapter of Ayn Rand theory. And she was like, and essentially, the chapter boiled down to. I think I commented on that video. Oh, maybe. I, th- I think it, it boiled down to. Under anarcho-capitalism, war would not happen because war costs money. And, and, and I was like... <laughs> this is a worse version of like 1910s liberal theory, liberal international theory that believed that war wouldn't happen because it's too destructive. Well, the other thing is, is like we always talk about how like war is good for the economy you know, and it puts people to work, like, making weapons and shit. If war was fucking profitable, we would go to war, baby. I mean, if we have. Is... Yeah, yeah, we have. But we but need like, to start even... wrapping up in a minute, though. I yeah. think we're on, like, an hour and a half at this point. Oh, shit. But, like, Maybe... even, in a, even in an ANCAP society, like, if one company has a private military and it's easier to just seize their fucking headquarters than it is to buy them out or out-confeed them, they're going to fucking do that. Like, I don't like this... I don't know. It just it pretends that uh, people don't spend money to make money, which I feel like is one of those basic things that like anyone will tell you about capitalism. I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know. We, we gotta do. We gotta talk about more and cap theory one of these days. I'll have to actually buy a book of that shit. Yeah, for, for the thing, uh, for our what is it thumbnail? Let's just like take a picture of yourself going like, and just like call it like leftology canceled or something like that. That'd be funny. For this episode? Yeah, for the debate, bro. I don't know what to call this episode, actually. Uh, Wait, we, we don't do catchy titles. We just do, like, debates. I make the titles as long as possible so that I can get people to click on our videos. Let's do it. Uh, uh, debates, comma, cancel culture. Uh, no, nah, I don't want to put cancel culture. It feels so cringe talking about cancel culture, honestly. Don't keep that out of the title. Wait, debates. no, I got it. I got it. Okay. Debates, I'm political the extremism, and Marcus DePaulo. Cancel culture, canceled. I hate that. Dude, <laughs> I find... 
I find so much discourse on cancel culture just be fucking it's just so stupid. We canceled cancel culture, guys. It's over. It, it's so weird because it, like it's it it exists, but I don't think people just get canceled on this mass scale that that uh, literally even like liberals want to pretend they do. You know, we we canceled it though. We finished. We, we're done yeah. with the debate now, guys. Debates, political extremism, and Marcus DePaulo. Unreasonable political extremism. And Mark, they're yeah, done. The, the only reasonable political extremism is and it's libertarian socialism. Yeah, liberta- ext- extreme libertarian socialism, where you believe that all people deserve the right to live uh, decently. Uh, if you're anti democracy, we're anti you. <laughs> I don't know what to do with my hands. We're just making hand movements at this point. Uh, but uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll be back with episode 11. Anytime at some be- point. Anytime between uh, <laughs> one and one week in next year. Uh, we can get- It'll happen in 2021. It will, it will happen before. Uh, consider it your Christmas present. Uh, this is... Oh, did we get an episode out in February? Uh, was no. in February or was that in January? No, that was in early January. That was before Biden was even president. That, that's how long we haven't done an episode. Oh shit! Yeah, this is the last day of February. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll do another. Well, we're getting episode. our March podcast out. We'll we'll get our March podcast. The out. next one will be out by the end of April. We'll have our April Fools podcast, uh, where we all dress up as a Joker, makeup and all, and we just say Joker quotes for an hour and a half. We just talk about society. Yeah, we should actually do that. Uh, that's a good idea. Society episode. Yes, leftology society episode. Go hype it up. Quote us on Twitter. Society uh, arc. Leftology society arc. Yeah, go hashtag leftology society arc. Um, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, have a good week. Have a good we love year you. or see month or however long. Uh, see you eventually. <laughs>